0: Are you wanting to create a highly prosperous photography business doing what you love? Or maybe you have a great business already and want to up your game. Then you're in the right place. Master craftsman photographer Lucy Dumas and her guests are here to support you on your journey. Now here's your hostess and tour guide, Lucy. I find that the harder I work, the more luck I seem to have. And that's one of my favorite quotes from Thomas Jefferson. Might have heard of him. So hello and thank you again for tuning in. I am excited today woohoo! <laughs> because the Profitable Photographer has had over 10,000 downloads in 41 countries. So I created a present just for my listeners and anyone else that cares to grab my guide, the seven-step guide to help you attract ideal clients. If you just go to LucyDumascoaching.com, you will see a gift tab and you can download it there. Also, I would so love to have feedback from you, what you're enjoying on the show, people that you might like to have me interview, or yeah, getting in touch if you want to know more about my programs, my coaching. So there's also the contact page, or you can just go to lucy at lucydumas.com. Send me an email. So I'm excited to introduce you to our guest. She is a new friend, I imagine, by the end of this call. (laughs) Her name is Meredith Renkars, and she's a former college art professor turned photographer Turned creative business coach. She is obsessed with helping photographers develop flexible and efficient business models so that they can thrive in whatever market they're in or want to be in. So, hi, Meredith, and welcome to my
1: show. Thank you so much, Lucy. I'm excited to be here. I'm here.
0: So, one of the super fun things about being a podcaster is that I get to meet new, amazing people. I learned in Girl Scouts about make new friends and keep the old. One is silver and the other is gold. So <laughs> I'm, I won't sing, although sometimes I'm not a singer. But I am excited to have a new silver friend. So I'd like to know a little about where the heck you came from. What's your background, business, start, all that stuff?
1: All the things. All the things. Well, we are current... I love that you mentioned the Girl Scouts, because we are currently living in Savannah area, which is the home of the Girl Scouts. Oh, really? Yes. And we just moved here about six to seven months ago. We moved from Birmingham, Alabama. And this will be, if I can count quickly enough on my fingers, I think our eighth move in... um, Many, many years of marriage. (laughs) And I never intended to be a photographer. I never intended to be a business owner. I just wanted to teach art to people and found that it was really hard to keep a job when you move every three to four years. I can imagine. They're like, hey,
0: I'm here now. Um, Give me some work. Yeah. Yeah. So then you accidentally discovered that if you do it right, you can move your photography business every three, four years? Is that yeah,
1: it was it was kind of an accident. Like all newly married people got a camera, our entire neighborhood deployed all the husbands at the time that I was newly married spouse. And so documenting lives became very important, which grew into a photography business. Mm. And when I started really getting serious about it as a business owner and I quit my teaching job and I realized I could make more as a photographer than I could ever as a teacher, it, it started to get really stressful because my business was taking off and then we moved, which meant that all of my referral clients and all of my networks and all of my connections literally went out the door. And so I started to ask people, well, how do I move a business? How do I do that? And a lot of them said, well, I don't know. I would never have to do that. Or that scares me. Or I would just go in and second shoot and work for somebody else. And I'm like, oh my gosh, Lucy, that like, there's just no way I would quit a full-time job to go and work for somebody else.
0: Right. Yeah. I hear you.
1: And that's kind of how it grew from there.
0: Hmm. So I have a question about being in the military and you're not in it, but you're in it when you, Mm -hmm. your your spouse is in it. And in my picture, marketing to people in the military community might be challenging because unless you're an officer, my understanding is it doesn't pay very well. Mm. Um, And there are like, there's a group of people that are in San Diego a group of photographers that band together and most of them are military wives and i find that they have this consciousness that they cannot charge more than 3 to 500 and so they're all struggling with time and profitability do you yeah. have thoughts or tips on that you know they've got the mindset that it's not possible and i know it is possible
1: can you talk about that Yeah. You may have to yank me off my soapbox in a second, because I get really fired up about this. I sat in that belief for a while myself, and I said, you know, nobody's going to pay for this. Uh, You know, I I have to compete with all the new photographers that... So we have a, a moving season, a moving cycle that you know every summer and every Christmas... There are new people moving into that military base and that military town. And you see all these new photographers that pop up that have moved into the area. And we as military spouses, as photographers, I think mentally go through this cycle of, Oh, here's another photographer charging $75. I will never make it. I can't charge more. I'm just going to be happy to just do this for what I can get. And um, that mindset is so incredibly backwards. And, and you mentioned something about, you know, unless you're an officer, you don't make enough to, to pay for photography. And the reality is, um, and I'm probably going to ruffle some feathers here, but. Good, go uh, for it. <laughs> but we do that often here. The reality is, you have money to pay for what you value. And I have photographed Generals and their children, and when I was a senior photographer, and they flat out said, Oh, we don't have money for this. Like, we can't afford to print these pictures. And then I would photograph seniors who their parents were enlisted, and they had the money for what they valued, and they treasured, and they wanted to spend on. And so, you know, I find this complete BS because (laughs) you can charge what you're worth. Don't necessarily have to market to the military community. You can market to the city you're in, the town over, the county over, and be an amazingly profitable photographer. But you have to do the work. Yeah. So what does do the work mean to you? To me, that means you're going to have to market before you ever get to your new city. You're Mm. going to have to put in the research and understand what is the market like what is the price point? What are the taxes there? What are the legal ramifications? And making sure, you know, every single city that you move to is going to have a very vastly different way of doing business. And then you have to do the work to get connected. And you have to be a good person. You have to play nice with others.
0: Oh,
1: darn it. (laughs) Yeah.
0: (laughs) Yeah. That's probably the key in all businesses that are owner driven or that, or you meet either the owners or the people that work for them, because if a boss doesn't play nice with others, usually the employees are not going to be that happy mm-hmm. and awesome mm-hmm. to be around. So yes, I totally <laughs> agree. Yeah. So do you have like, I know you said, learn the market, learn What's going on, the taxes, so that, for example, probably if you moved from a small town in Tennessee to San Diego, the cost of living is high here. And I don't know exactly what it is in Tennessee, but I imagine it it is lower, especially Mm -hmm. housing. I don't know if food is that much different, or you look at taxes and so forth. Now, do you think if you moved from San Diego to a small town,
1: that you would lower your pricing it really depends that's a good question so we've actually never lowered our pricing moving into a new market and that is partially because i do the research and i understand that even if i go to a small town even if i'm going to a military town there are bigger cities around me and i know my ideal client i know who my target market is And I know how to find them and I know how to do the research. And so as we've grown in business and our quality of service, our quality of photography has grown over the years, we have never lowered our prices. We've always actually raised them and found ways to, to, when we're new in a market, add value without depreciating and lowering our price.
0: I'm so happy to hear that. (laughs) I have two thoughts on that. One, I think what you're probably advising is make sure when you move, you're charging enough. Yes. So like if you were averaging, let's say a $1,000 sale and bringing in 80K a year, somewhere in Texas where I like to watch those uh, home and garden shows where people are looking for property. Yes. (laughs) And they're like, and this one is $87,000 for a four bedroom, three bath Mm -hmm. in Texas. I'm like, what? (laughs) (laughs) So if you were moving from there where $80,000 might be a decent living and you're moving to, let's say San Jose, where for $80,000, you can get a bed on someone's couch because of the, you know cyber revolution. So making sure that you're charging enough when you move, is that fair? That's part of
1: it. It's knowing also what the market is doing. For example, uh, one of the markets we lived in, they really had a a proclivity to not do IPS, to only have one wedding package and understanding, okay, this is how brides have been trained in that market so how do I then educate them when they're coming in the door that I am different and what my point of difference is and knowing what my value is. And yes, there is a, there is a point where you also have to figure out cost of living and figure out um, cost of goods and, and adjusting for that in, in that market. But there's another thing that, that a lot of people don't take into advisement or thought when they're moving into a new market and that is the other your competitors when you're moving into a market. And we will do two things. Um it's a little bit different, maybe, but one, we will actually do research online and look at what other people are pricing. Now I'm not telling anybody to go out there and fake an inquiry to a photographer. I I will reach through the computer and kick somebody's butt. <laughs> I know. You know, I just, yeah, but what I am saying is they have their prices on their, on their websites, go look. And then when you meet them, talk to them and say, I want to honor the fact that you have done the work in this market and you know your market. And I don't want to come in here and undercut you and get in a bidding war, but I also want us to both be profitable. Can we sit down and talk? Mm. sure that I'm honoring the market I'm moving into. And there are photographers that we've talked with them about this, and they were flabbergasted. Some shut down. Some were like, yeah, let's sit down and talk. And by the way, can we build a referral circle while we're at it?
0: And that is the smartest move any photographer can make. So do you do a lot of
1: weddings? Is that one of the areas? We primarily shoot weddings. Um, We got out of seniors for a while simply because... That was my main focus and are in the process of moving back into adding seniors back into our portfolio. Uh, we also do some corporate and headshot works, but, but weddings are our primary focus.
0: And I, I think um, with weddings the networking with other photographers is one of the smartest things we can do. When I did weddings for 12 years, a third of my business came from other photographers and a third came from a very active networking with vendors that I liked. Yes. And then the other third was referrals from happy brides and other families. And I never hung up the phone, whether I was available or not without sharing every one of the vendors that I liked. I'd say, do you have a cake? Do you have a DJ? Do you have flowers? And then referring one of the two or three people that, whose work I loved and who referred me back. I didn't only refer people that referred me back, but I'm sure you like to cultivate those uh, complementary relationships, too. And I love that you're not afraid to jump in and, you know, be a part of the photographic community. Yes. Uh, I think that's brilliant.
1: Yes. I mean, if it's in the same way that if you have somebody in a corporate world who something happens, you have somebody that can step in and help because there's multiple people in that corporate office. In the same way, we as photographers, if something happens, heaven forbid, to me or to my husband, we need to have a community around us. And in the same way, if something happens to another photographer, we want to be able to step in and serve as well. And so we we can't do this on our own. We just can't. And I, I learned that the hard way being new in business 10 years ago and making all the mistakes mm-hmm. that I think people make when they just start out. Um, but yeah, you can't, you have to be able to have that network in that community. Right. One of
0: my friends who I, we used to refer each other back and forth a lot and he was busy every weekend as I was, his wife developed a brain tumor and it looked like she might pass away any day. And so for about six months, a professional photographer in our community went with him to every single wedding for free or for, you know, just a second shooter or assistant So that if something happened and he had to leave the wedding, they could complete the wedding. And um, now she ended up living many, many years. So that's why it only lasted six months. But you know, you can't buy that kind of peace of mind because what we're doing is important to people. And so I love that you and I share that value of getting into the community. And I imagine you jump right in and support others and join organizations and become a participant in your area when you get there
1: yes yes you you absolutely have to you
0: can't function if you don't so i have one other thing i liked when i said oh there's two thoughts the mm-hmm. other is so many times you know in facebook chats or when i'm having conversations with my coaching clients or potential clients and they say oh that won't work in my area I've had that conversation with people in big cities, small cities, England, Canada, Australia, Ireland, and I love that you're proof that you can make it work, whatever area you go to. Yeah, and so it kind of it kind of blows that myth out of the water completely. (laughs) (laughs) And to me, actually, I hear people say, "I'm afraid," rather than you know, I maybe it is a false belief but i also think it's coming from the fear of what you just said doing the work figuring yes. out how to make it work
1: yes there there is a lot of fear and being very frank and being very honest i still am afraid every time i move i still have the fear of failure every time we move and i've done it multiple times and i've done it to where we've booked multiple weddings before i ever get to our new market and um you know, looking at our numbers, like I said earlier at the beginning of the podcast, I've been here for about five to six months, and looking at our numbers for um for 2019, half of that year, we were in a brand new market. And our income didn't dip. Now it didn't go up, but it stayed steady. And so I have to look at my numbers to remind myself, I can't be afraid. I know I've done this before. We've, every time we we've moved, we've had that first year stay steady. There's no dip in income. And then it just starts climbing back up and keeps going back up. And there is a process to it. There is a system to it. You cannot just randomly wait till you get there or you will fail and fall flat on your face Mm -hmm. and it will take a lot longer to get yourself back up to speed Um, there are definitely things that um, can cause it to be harder to move but the biggest thing is making sure that you know your numbers that you set aside money for marketing because you're new in an area so your marketing budget has to go up yes (laughs) that makes
0: total sense like because you're starting a, a new business. I mean, there was a, a Facebook question. Somebody said, if I'm starting a new business, what do I need to budget for? And he said, like, is it okay to just have one camera and one lens and different things? And so I, I made a list and I said, and have money in the bank, yeah. <laughs> because, yeah. you know, or have some source of income mm-hmm. uh, while you're growing the business. I, I am sure you've heard this with people who you're talking to about possibly coaching. And I hear this a lot is, well, I can't afford to have a coach or to invest in education because I'm just starting. And it's so hard to, you know, I want to say, well, it's like you're going to wait to get the recipe to make the best chocolate cake in the world until you make the cake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that, that there are some things that shortcut us, and that we need to invest in. We need the insurance. We need the equipment. We need the education. We need to join associations. And I imagine you're agreeing with what I'm saying, and I'm not, and I'm preaching to the choir with you. <laughs>
1: <right>? <laughs> yeah, yeah. I think you definitely are preaching to the choir, but and that's um, hard. But yeah. I've also
0: seeing comments where people just opened a studio, an actual, you know, storefront and they don't know where their rent's coming from Mm -hmm. next month. And so I love that you are also focused on being money savvy. Oh yeah. Not just when you do the move, but if you decide I'm starting a business or I'm changing from, you know, like headshots to weddings or something that that there's a time involved and we need to have the cash. We need to know what to do with it.
1: Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You need to have a budget. You need to know your operating expenses for the year and be able to cover that. And in some cases that may mean adding another stream of revenue. Um, For example, we know that we're in one of the top destination elopement cities in the United States. Um, Really? Yes. And so we've got, you know, you you have photographers who are saying, oh, you know, I I charge this and I charge that and I only do eight hour weddings. And I'm looking at the market here and going, there's an untapped source Mm -hmm. because if I know my cost of goods and I know I'm new in the market and I know that I'm have the potential to shoot elopements for two hours on a Monday. I'll shoot one of those every single day of the week because I still have time for headshots or seniors and then my full weddings on the weekend. And so I can't charge, you know, three, four, eight grand for an elopement. That's two hours. That doesn't make sense. But if I create a separate set of packages, knowing that I'm going to diversify my income, that I'm going to make myself profitable by opening up something I hadn't done in my past market, and all of a sudden we're getting booked for those as well. Well, now I'm in a new market and I'm being profitable, and not necessarily having to work as hard.
0: Right. Well, and I know um, you're like me; you love in-person sales, mm-hmm. and I have had small weddings that spent $12,000 Yes, that started with a $1,000 investment and I get them in the sales room. Well, first of all, I plant all the seeds, I'm sure you do as well, mm-hmm. for wanting a book and they of course are gonna need to decorate their home. And then for me, then engagement session and then by the time we're done, they have two books and four wall portraits and lots of gifts for families. And so have you had that same experience with the small? We have,
1: we absolutely have. We have had them in our um, studio space. We've done IPS with them. They absolutely loved the experience and they, um, you know, all of our packages, we found a way to profitably put a form of an album into them and, and, yeah, it's gone really, really well. So are you set up so that after the wedding,
0: they purchase more? And Mm -hmm. what's the average compared to their, like if their package was say $3,000, what would you anticipate in add-on sales with that for most people?
1: Uh, For most people, it really is going to depend. And here's why. We do IPS with engagements. So if we're talking over a full life cycle of a bride, it can go all the way up to 10 grand or more. There's a trend in the U.S. that's growing called a nearly wed session or a pre-wedding shoot. Oh. And um, it's it came out of Asia and Dubai. And it has started to garner attention here among American brides. It's it's starting to catch on, but it did really has a very strong foothold in the Orient where they come over and they get into their Western American bridal outfits and they do a first look and they get pictures done and they might go out to Vegas or they might get a really cool car, sports car, and get pictures done and then they fly home back to Asia and they have their traditional ceremony, and these pictures they're then um, purchasing and hanging on their wall. Well, we have had brides here, American Western brides, who are starting to want to do that, who are having their first look six months before their wedding day, purchasing big, beautiful prints to hang in their reception, which then wows their guests because they don't know how that happened. Uh-huh. And then they are um, coming back in for another design session after their wedding day to get those pictures done and printed. And then combining all of this into a big giant wedding album. Maybe it's one volume, maybe it's two. And so that's that's where the whole life cycle of a client can be yeah. very, very lucrative. Yes. Yes. That's what I love that
0: you're out in the world teaching and sharing is that the, you know, the trend of here's all the files, the end, and there's no way to boost that up is really, you know, you can think again and create options. For me, when I, when I do weddings, the rare occasion now, and when I coach people and set up their pricing, we set it up so that it looks Similar to what other people might be offering, but it it leaves a lot of space for them to put more in their album and add parent books and gifts and different kinds of things. So yeah, I love that. So I wanted to jump back just to one um, something when you talked about fear, and one of the things that I love about entrepreneurship and I am, you know, keep dear listeners, keep your eyes open. Cause I'm formulating a, you know, a podcast, a solo podcast on this topic is how it is one of the, if not the best personal growth activities that we can do. What I find is whatever are those, those uh, places that we can heal, we can grow, uh, that we have as humans, because, you know, as we're growing up, we get, we carry things from our, our family, from issues that happen from being bullied in the fourth grade. When I moved, Mm -hmm. (laughs) that was my little, like I'm still sometimes dealing with that. If I feel left out, (laughs) is that, that running our own businesses, that's going to come up and we have the opportunity to heal and grow and be better versions of ourselves. Yes, and fear was one of mine, and so I find it really like a, like a soul sister here when you <laughs> said the fear because every year, especially when I was doing weddings, but still every year around January, I think. Oh my gosh, I don't have anything or I don't have much on the calendar. That's it. This is a year. I mean, they're going to starve to death or be a bang lady. <laughs> <laughs> and, um, you know, it's 38 years later and I have had a really great life so far and it just keeps getting better. So how do you manage that fear? I know you you mentioned a few things, but tell me about that.
1: Yeah. Um, yeah. I think for me, there is comfort in looking back at data. Data doesn't lie, um, and being able to see over the lifespan of um, you know I've been in doing photography for ten years, longer if you want to count when I was teaching, and um, we've been shooting weddings full focus for four or five years now, and uh, that those analytics tell me that I'm going to be okay. And those analytics remind me we've seen an upward trending growth on average. And then a huge spike when we when we started doing in-person sales. So that definitely has helped to quiet the fear. Um, I think the other thing that has really helped is to have, I forget who's, who used this original term, so I'm sorry, I can't like credit it to the right person, but having your kitchen table friends. And these are the friends that you're going to be able to call at 5am in the morning, that you're going to be able to text when you have insomnia, because you have this brand new bright idea. And they're the ones that come around when that fear comes out. Mm -hmm. And that fear rears its ugly head and says, oh no, you are not going to, you're not going to win. You're not going to be successful. Um, And these, these are the people that you call on and say, okay, talk me off the ledge here because I'm looking at my January numbers and they're really, really bad. And so I think that's the second way to really combat fear is to have that really close knit circle of friends that are also fellow business owners, not necessarily photographers, I find joy in learning from people outside of my industry as well as inside. Then lastly, there has to be a ability to take care of yourself. And I know we're in an age where it's very woo woo and it's very fine balance and namaste. And um, I'm not knocking that. Please understand that. But being able to say, okay, I need to take a day off for myself every, every other week, every month, depending on your personality and your drive. Some people are just driven and built that way. And they can, like my husband is that way. He could literally work for 12 hours, sleep for four and get up and do it again the next day. Yeah. Um, I yeah. am not, <laughs> <laughs> I will, I, I will not function that way. Um, and so knowing to what level of rest you need and balance you need and knowing um, you know, your personality. I am a 50, 50 split of introvert and extrovert. And so I like, we get, we dive really strong into that with our clients um, with our mentoring clients and understanding themselves so that they can be a better business owner. And I know like when I go to speaking engagements, um, I make the joke of like, I'm an introvert. I'm an INFJ and I love, I'm going to love on y'all. I'm going to teach you guys. We're going to rock this out. And then you're going to find me over in the corner after I'm done because I've expended all my extrovertness. And now I need to just like take a moment. So I think that's the other thing that helps to combat fear is when we are balanced and we know ourselves and we're aware of what our bodies and our minds need. Right.
0: I love the, uh, in the the book, the artist way where she suggests that you have a play date every week. So it's not just rest like, oh, I'm going to lay on the couch and watch Netflix, but I'm no. going to go to a museum for an hour. Yes. Or I'm going to um, take a painting class or I'm going to uh, take my camera and go for a walk in a garden or something that is renewing. When I did weddings, I took Mondays off every single time Because Sundays I was recovering physically and mentally and emotionally. So it wasn't really a day off, even you know, even though it was a day off. But Mondays in my community with the wedding world, almost all of us took Mondays off and and we knew if we wanted to get together, that was a good day to do it. Now with portraits, you know, it doesn't it's not the same schedule. But yeah, putting building in that time. So, yeah, I love that. One of my favorite books, I don't know if you've read it, but it really changed my life. It's called Feel the Fear and Do It Anyway. Yes. By Susan <laughs> Jeffers. And that rocked my world because it's not about making fear go away, it's about doing that thing anyway. And then when we get to the other side of it, you know, we're not afraid. And she has the catchphrase that now is like, my mantra is, I'll handle it, I'll handle it, I'll handle it. I even, I I had a medical thing, and I had to have brain surgery, it was benign, but for 2010 to 2014, uh, when that fear thinking would naturally come up, I just would go into, I'll, I'll be handling this, I'll handle this, day at a time. I'll handle it. And the little segue, but I used to, and I almost said that today, I used to say, you know, when we get wound up on something, it's not brain surgery. And then one day my doctor was like, well, you know, you've got this thing and we've got to operate and blah, blah, blah. And I like said, well, at least it's not brain surgery. And then we looked at each other and went, oh, yeah, it is. And I handled it. You know, and I have a few residual like uncomfortableness in my scalp and sense of smell is mostly gone. And those things just remind me to be grateful. So, you know, it's all it all goes to the good. So, yeah, I love that you have that strategy of the, the look at the data, have a community and take good care of yourself. And so then mine I throw in there and is and have. Have a mantra <laughs> that that comforts you. My other mantra. Do, well, do you have a? Uh, I'll tell you mine if you tell me yours. <laughs> <laughs> um, do, do you have something that you will,
1: you know, like a success something or an affirmation? Um. I. This is a newer one, and it's not mine. I cannot claim ownership for this. But I was listening to someone talking about fear the other day, and um that they combat it with gratefulness. Mm. And um, you know, we we spend a whole month of the year being grateful and, and being thankful, but we forget the rest of the 12 months of the year. <laughs> and so something new that I've started doing that um, apparently Einstein used to do is before he would get up in the morning, he would say, thank you. A hundred times. Now I'm not sitting there and counting to a hundred, yeah. but but saying it multiple times over, just literally before I pick up my phone, before I look at any, any emails or do any other things, just literally laying in my bed and saying, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Changes your mindset. Um, so it's not necessarily a mantra, but it's it, a mantra. I guess it could be it's
0: a total mantra. <laughs>
1: I love it. Well, my
0: affirmation, especially when I'm feeling a little um, money worried is money comes to me easily and with love.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And yes. I've told the story on this show about during a, a recession, none of us were booking weddings. And I I had like seven ideal clients come for consultation and I didn't book them. And then I started repeating this mantra. I put it on a card. I saw it all the time. Uh, when the clients were like parking and walking up the door, I repeated it in my head and I booked four weddings in three days after you know three weeks of like nothing. So, yeah, but I love that. Thank you. I'm going to do that rather than listing what I'm grateful for, which always also helps. Yes, it does. Um, is just the thank you. And I think there's some Oprah or something where she said, or she quoted, if all you ever say is thank you, that's all the prayer you need or something, something like that. So yay. I think we could talk for a long time. And I <laughs> love that this topic of fear came up because, and that it's actually so um, vibrant for you. Yes. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> Yeah, because I imagine that's a huge thing when, I mean, it's one thing to be right where we are and where we think we'll probably be for a while and build something and, and manage those, you know, oh, we can't do that, you know, I can't do this here, the, the, I'm too old, I'm too young,
1: the, mm-hmm. my
0: ideal clients aren't here, you know, blah, 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 it won't work in my neighborhood. But then you have this do-over, you know, just probably when you're getting all settled in and, you know, having super best friends and clients referring you and all of that, it's like, whoop, okay. So, yeah, that sounds like a highly athletic move, I would say, (laughs) and staying in the gratitude for that.
1: Yeah, yeah. I think think it's definitely – Having to make sure that you are monitoring your mental health and your uh, mindset every step of the way. I've had moves when we first started that were bad. And that was purely because of my mindset and my attitude and how I embraced the new market that we were in. And you said something very, very important. The, you know, my clients aren't in my neighborhood. Find a different neighborhood right literally go find a different neighborhood go your yeah. clients are there you just have to look hard enough right my
0: clients uh mostly drive 25 to an hour and a half mm-hmm. to get to me i do not market in my community but because i'm right near downtown all freeways lead to my house easily <laughs> all, all roads lead to lucy that's right <laughs> <laughs> You can take five, you can take eight, you can take 163 or 15. Yeah, you'll get here. From the east to the west, uh, you can cross the border from Mexico, and I'll take care of you, too. <laughs> I love it. I, I like that Monitor Your Mindset would be an awesome book for you to write. Oh, gosh. <laughs> I like the title, Monitor Your Mindset. I don't want to steal it, but I'm just, you know – or the title of an article or a, a YouTube conversation or something. Uh, that's such a rich picture that I have about, you know, like 10 steps to monitor your mindset. Mm. <laughs> I <love it. laughs> so I won't do it myself, you know, cause you said it, oh, gosh. I it. I love it. Love it. Love it. Oh, well, we could go on for another couple hours. I have a feeling. I think we have a lot in common, except I've never had to, had to move as a professional. But the thing is, and, you know, you've been in business 10 years, so you haven't hit a recession yet. And I bet if one should happen, you're going to sail through it because moving is is similar. And I've weathered six recessions, at least in my career. And what I do is I take that opportunity once I kind of, have that come to Jesus moment where I realize, okay, this isn't like a little short downturn. Downturn. I got to get in action. So I get in an action and I improve my marketing and my sales and everything I can. The quality of my photography, while my colleagues are sitting there uh, dazed and confused, <laughs> and quite a few then drop out of the industry. And when things come back around, I'm actually in a better place than I was at the start with less competition. So I have a sense that it's a very similar kind of thing for you is I'm going into this new community and I'm going to see how I can upgrade what I do and fit into the community and that each move is an opportunity for you to be in an even better place.
1: Yes, it, it is. You get to start over, wipe the slate clean in a way, and begin again. Yes.
0: With all the education, all the skills, all the all the cool photography that you've done, you know, as your foundation. So this was awesome. Darting listeners, before we sign off, remember to stay tuned for my wrap-up. And I want to know how to get in touch with you. There will be You'd sent me a link that will be in the show notes for evergreen
1: content. Um, but how can somebody reach you? You can find me. Um, I, I hang out in all the spaces, um, all the places, all, all the, the places. Yes. I, we have two YouTube channels, two Twitter, two Instagram, two blog posts. So you can either find me at Meredith ring cars, or you can find me at the restart specialist. Um, and there's, Really only one run cars out there. R Y
0: N C A R Z.
1: Yes, ma'am.
0: Yes. Okay. And what's the evergreen content that you're offering?
1: Um, That evergreen content is a download that they can get. And um, I believe it is tips for them to grow their business. Awesome. So before we sign off,
0: I want to know if there's one last thing you'd like to share with my audience that they can take away from what feels to me like a very rich, very special conversation, or just something you'd like them to know that you haven't shared yet.
1: Uh, one thing that's hard. Um, <laughs> I, I would say wherever you are in business, whatever, part of your journey part of your chapter you are in you must invest back into your education and go to the source go to the subject matter expert go to the the best in the best in that part of the industry you want to learn youtube go to the best person you want to learn instagram go to the best person stop taking third and sixth party information of what has worked sort of kind of for somebody you will see the most growth when you go directly to the source and the best person in that industry to learn from them. I love it. And then pay them.
0: (laughs) And then pay them. Yes. I love it. I love it. I love it. (laughs) Well, I get to see you in just like two, three days at PPA convention. And I hope a lot of the listeners were there. This will post after, and I am going to do a show on Things I noticed or thought about or learned at the expo. So um, you can watch for that later. And so thanks again, Meredith. And as I said, hold on for my wrap up. So that's it for today. And I've loved this conversation with Meredith Rencars. <laughs> had to practice that a few times. And we had such a great conversation. One part was about how she moves, and I think even people who are starting a new business or changing their focus, or hopefully we won't have a recession for a long, long time, but if there is some challenge in the market, what to do to start or restart? And what she says, if you are moving is you plan ahead. So learn the market. Learn what's individual and potential business opportunities that might not be so where you are. She shared about the elopements in Savannah, Georgia, and how that is a whole new business potential. And I loved that she said when she moves, she doesn't lower her price if she's moving to a place where the cost of living is lower, but she might rework it. So she's getting the same income, but it's meeting the needs and the specialties and the people where she's living. She also, I loved asking her if there was a way you know, within the military families to earn a good living and receive, you know, being well-paid rather than, you know, a two dollars $300 session. And she said, absolutely, you know, enlisted and officers, it's everybody's individual and people have the money for whatever is important to them. I love that. And then we went a deep dive into handling fear and she actually had a plan. So I'm glad I circled back around on that. And she said, number one, look at your history, analyze your data Know that you've been fine up till now and you're going to be fine in the future. Build a community of people that can support you and inspire you. There is a mastermind group concept that I am going to be opening the opportunity for a mastermind group in a couple months here in early 2020, where we will be a community of people who support each other in our businesses and give each other ideas and it's it's really really powerful also taking care of ourselves taking days off having play dates doing what we need to do so we're not uh just working 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 and then developing that i love them the thank you mantra of before we get out of bed saying thank you you know a hundred times or somewhere around there so i'm going to start doing that rather than an actual gratitude list the thank you thank you thank you i think is so powerful she also talked about monitoring our mindset so challenging our our beliefs is one of the things that i think is monitoring our mindset and then of course i loved her talking about how we must invest in education and find people who are the top in anything that we want to learn, and hire them and pay them. And I have done that, and she's done that, and you know, of course, my clients and her clients have done that. So thanks again for listening. I just adore you all, and even if I can't see you, you please get in touch, grab your free gift, send me an email, all that stuff. Okay, love you big time. Here's a kiss.